This week, we're going to talk about Before Your Eyes, Waco, and Funny Girl on Broadway. And now your host, Michael Indiglio. What's up, team? Welcome to KM Geekly. Just a sneak peek at two geeks talking mm-hmm. about some of the things getting them through their week, got them through last week. Welcome to spring officially. Welcome back. Baseball starts this week. Uh, Players dropping like flies already. Welcome back. Broadway firing on all cylinders. Keith's going to talk about that. I got some more TV to talk about. I've got MLB The Show, which is a a yearly, you know, it looks like you get your new Madden, you get your new uh, ice hockey, NHL hockey uh, game every year I you get I get MLB the show welcomes that's my spring tradition but I got I was playing something else this week I want to talk about all kinds of cool stuff Keith my friend how you doing this week I'm doing I'm doing good doing good had a uh, had, had a really good evening last night in the theater I felt very uh, felt very fancy it was nice had good commutes in and out of the city that's always the biggest yeah that, that's the biggest factor in all of these things and it's our uh, it's our third and a half episode that we've taped today so yeah we're Ooh. going strong we're going strong uh it's uh it, it's a lot but we're here I hope you guys have enjoyed uh so this week you probably would have seen some of our, our customs we saw our customs yes. uh, and we got some what a, a great toys episode for you next week but mm-hmm. before we get into the main content let's just do a quick thank you people we always appreciate. Uh, and of course, yeah, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the slide because it's the one. thing. Well, I'll tell you, see, while you do that, I'll say we are thanking our patrons who you can join at patreon.com slash K and M. That's true. There's a link right down below you there. If you would like to join them and get all sorts of bonus materials, if that's too much commitment and Lord knows, I understand. I I, I don't like committing to much of anything. You could also just give us a. a a little tip on the thank you button below here on the YouTubes. Mike, who's patroning our patron patrons? Oh, well, you can get yourself some pip pips. If you pip and pop, you got Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Bren Joshua, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the mysterious, mysterious. Worf's Boot Shivs, Richard Coleman, Charles Babbage, who pipped and popped his way into the second tier, CRM Productions, Nicolay, at Grim underscore toys, delusions at noon. Join that team. You know you want to. Patreon.com slash KM. Yes, yes. And one of the bonus features uh they're gonna be able to watch uh is Mike playing one of the games he's gonna talk about today. Yeah, so uh I, I've been wanting that's a great place to start, Keith. Why don't we start just there? And see, that's what we call that a professional production segue. It's less professional when you point out what you're doing, but you, you broke the fourth wall of our segue. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's our team. We, so we do. We, we share, Keith. We're honest. We're nothing if not honest. Hulu Alive! So, uh, I, uh-oh, yeah, hello? CEO Jen is here, folks. What's up, Jen? <laughs> Come up. she wants, uh-oh. Hi, Did, Jen. None of that, I, you got hit in the head with the hat. It didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't work. Romance. I love you too, honey. Um, she picked up my toy for me uh, while we were doing our show, Keith. <laughs> you don't deserve her. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I have, you know, Steam is your online library of, of smaller games. I mean, you can buy big games on it, but I you know, generally purchase your bigger games on the consoles or for your PC or whatnot. But I, 
I have some of my smaller indie titles that I want to play, point-and-click adventure games, uh, more abstract things I've heard people say are great. And you just, this happens to a lot of people, Steam creep. You just, you'd start downloading, you have 100 games on your Steam library, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't play them because you're playing any other big stuff. So last night was an interesting evening. I got done work a little bit early. I had gone for a run. I was feeling pretty good. I, I, I wanted to do something, but I didn't just feel like crashing on the couch and watching TV again. So I decided to pick up this game I keep hearing about. I've heard, and every time they talk about it on a podcast or something, I listen to a person, I, I have to turn it off real quick. Because the, the one thing they say going in, don't know anything about the plot. Go in as unsullied as possible. But I knew the general conceit of the game. So I want to go ahead and pop it in. There's a game called Before Your Eyes. And it's a pretty simple little Steam game. And the, the, the sort of conceit, Keith, the gimmick, if you will, and it does sound like a gimmick, is that the controller interface is your eyeballs. So oh, rather than click a button... Certain sc screens advance, or certain you, there are certain little things you accomplish by blinking your eyes. And you have you set up your webcam, you configure your webcam. So it is watching. They you. do a whole calibration yet. Yeah. So it's available on mobile through Netflix games. So if you have a Netflix account, you already own this game. It's free. Oh, how about that? Uh, so you can do it mobile. You can play it on Steam, and I believe it's now available in PS VR two. So a lot of different ways to go at it. Uh, as you can see right down there at the bottom, the graphics are pretty rudimentary, so it's not really taxing your system or whatnot, but it's really, more than anything else, an interactive novel. It's a short story. It's 90 minutes in and out. Uh, I played it pretty slowly. And let me give you a little uh, information, a little biography on it. 2001 adventure game developed by Goodbye World Games, published by Skybound Games. Uh, it, it's based on a sort of prototype that they had Kickstarter-funded, Mm. Um, I will not read you any of the plot summary because I, I like I, I agree that you should go in not knowing much about it. It feels – here's who I really want to shout out. Uh, directed by and created by Will Hellworth, Graham Parks, and Oliver Lewin. Designed by Bella Messicks and Dylan Terry. The artists, Hannah Lee, uh, and the writers, Graham Parks. And the writing – I want to start there. The writing of this game is absolutely excellent. Now – I've played a lot of walking simulators, a lot of narrative-based video games. I love them. It's something I really am passionate about. And on the face of it, within the first five minutes of this game, it definitely feels like it's a, a gimmick, right? Like, oh, it's a little on the nose. Life goes by in the blink of an eye. I'm blinking. I get it, right? And that's that was my attitude. And I, I was like, I can't believe all these people sung its praises. The game... Does let me see if I can explain this. So you know how Keith, I, I I talked about this on the on the stream I did. You know in the theater when you're trying to act a song, you don't the song's not always about you, right? It's not all of us have written autobiographical musical semi autobiographical musicals like you have, Keith. Sometimes the character you don't have a touchstone, and so an exercise I do, a lot of performers do, is you take line by line the lyric of a song. And you try to find specific emotional memories or touchstones in your life or your past that kind of relate to each lyric so that when you are delivering the song, you can, there is an authenticity in your emotional connection. As this game is playing out, the writing is so specific as to this character that you are in inhabiting actually, is so specific 
yet broad enough that in each of the memories they're having, there are touchstones to things you recall. So it starts, uh, mm. this character is reliving some of his earliest childhood memories on a beach with his mom. Now, we all have somewhere in our brains an experience on the beach with someone we love, be it your mom, whomever, some of those first early innocent memories. And so you start to connect a lot of those memories. And as the game goes, you it stops being connective tissue, and you before you know it, you are this person, this character. It has become you, and you're telling that story. And the way the narrative is set up is you are recanting your life story. Clearly, it starts sort of in this afterlife type of thing. You're recanting the story of your life. Retelling. Uh, retelling. Retelling. And at moments, the story, like the, the narrative beat of the moment is complete, and yet you can exist in that moment because it's a memory. So you can exist in it mm. for as long as you want. Right, So you can hear additional dialogue. You can hear your parents talking. You can hear different things. But the second you blink, we snap forward. It's over. It's gone. Oh, crazy. So there are bits of the story that I have. I saw you won't see or because I... So uh, if you get like, something stuck in your eye, like the game's only Or if you're like long. me and the second something tells you it's watching you blink, I become hypersensitive and I have to blink all mm -hmm. the time, which I, right. I believe is probably by design. Now, probably built in. They probably are, are calibrated for that. So I'll only say this. There is a, a Shyamalanian-esque twist at the end. Uh, it's not like a huge revelation, but I will say that the, the narrative as it's set out is not as on the nose that it first appears. So mm. there is the writing is beautiful. The music, the scoring is beautiful. Uh, as you've teased, I was I I just didn't think it was going to hit me as hard because I'd heard some people, you know. But by the end, I am a blubbering mess. Mm -hmm. It is about all of the things, right? It's it's what I yeah. kind of what I've loved about good storytelling is it can be so specific, so about something that it's about everything. And this knocks it out of the park. And it's paced perfectly. It is 90 minutes, right? But at no point do you feel like it's rushed. At no, no point do you feel like uh, it's overstaying its welcome. It's a game that it never overstates its welcome. I couldn't tell you how much it cost because I own it already through Netflix. So uh, I, it's clearly uh, affordable. Most of us have Netflix subscriptions. But even if you didn't and it was a full-price game, I would say $25, $30, totally worth a buy, a recommend. And if you... Head on over to patreon.com slash K&M. Yeah. You don't even have to give us any money. I said it public. You just have to visit. Just visit our page. And to say thank you, you can watch me play this game in its entirety. Uh, I just, if you don't feel like sitting through it or you don't have a blinky blink device or you don't have a Netflix account, take the ride with me. It's available. Patreon.com slash K&M. Keith, really loved it. Uh, CEO Jen's gonna play it uh, because it's 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 that moving. It really it really was special. Great game. Cool, cool. I it, it's not. I mean, I I love the sort of new technology way to tell stories. Yeah. Right. Because that the idea of like you turn the page when you blink, like that's really fascinating. It's creepy that it's watching me, but it is fascinating that you're able to. In, Take a, a technological advancement, take a little thing there and make it a part of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not a gimmick where it's it's like, oh, I, I shoot the lasers when I blink, right? It's it 
tells an emotional narrative story with that interesting piece of technology. Yeah, it could easily be as accomplished. You could just be clicking. It doesn't need yeah. that. It's ostensibly just a click, but I think that it's it's more saying something than it is trying to prove any sort of right. radical. It's a metaphor. Techno- right. It's a metaphor. It's part of. The, it's one of the many metaphors. The whole game is an, is a allegory. Anyhow, fascinating. Really, well, when really I when I'm it. not in a place of existential crisis already, maybe I'll watch well, it. Well, I should I should one. say it's not just about the emotional things. It's also about what is art. What is if if you are an artist but don't fulfill your potential or don't do that one great work of genius or whatnot, what was was it worth so it's it? Specifically it, designed to ruin me. It is. Uh, it is definitely in our lane. I'll say that, Keith. It's definitely in our lane. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking I'm of in never our lane, play this ever. Speaking of in our lane, <laughs> perhaps we should discuss. Last night, I went to go see Funny Girl on Broadway at the August Wilson Theater. Um, and uh, I, I went to go see my old friend, Tony DeBuono, uh, who uh, plays one of the characters in the show, uh, who uh, Tony played uh, the character of Kathy in the musical you mentioned before. It's, it's called I Got Fired, and uh, she played my boss in the musical We Took It Off to Korea. So she and I have had some great adventures together. She is on the right in the picture below and now in the center uh, next to Jane Lynch and Jared Grimes there um, in uh, in Funny Girl. And so this production has had quite the um, quite the story uh, behind the scenes with Beanie Feldstein starting um, and then uh, leaving early to be replaced by Leah Michelle, um, who has been has sort of rescued the show um and and given an apparently terrific performance um i saw julie benko who performs every thursday and was beanie's first replacement and i'm glad that i did yeah this is the uns- um, this is sort of the story behind the story is julie benko yeah yeah she's she's phenomenal she's fantastic in the role um she's funny she sings it beautifully. She acts it beautifully. Um, you know, the the, the production, I, I think people were sort of meh about until the cast changeover. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was a I thought it was an excellent production. Performances were great. Um, the score's beautiful. It's an old timey show, right? Mm-hmm. It's a really um old school uh you know, it was a um um uh Barbara Streisand vehicle um that sort of put her on the map. Um, way back when, so it's the first time it's been revived since Barbara Streisand did it, um, and I think uh, you know Tony was hilarious and wonderful, and all of um, and uh, you know Jared was amazing, but uh, I, I think what was fascinating about this musical as this old timey it's it's based on a on a on a true story about Fanny Bryce who was a vaudeville comedian who became a big star but was sort of a um, you know, it's it's funny girl, right? Not pretty girl. Like the 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 story is, she was hilarious, but not conventionally attractive. Mm. And you know, what kind of a love story would she have in this world? Um, which is a little bit ironic because Leah Michelle and Julie Benko are conventionally incredibly attractive. Right. Um, and so that's like, mm. uh, but it's it's this. Sort of a, this story of her um, relationship with her husband, or, or eventually husband, played by Ramin Kamerlou, who is always phenomenal. I mean, like God level voice. 
He's God level and everything. I, everything. I, I want to dislike him. Somebody tell me he's mean. I suspect people he's a great like guy too. literal. There were literal screams in the audience when he had his shirt off. <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was I was here. I didn't even see it. I just felt yeah. his shirt come off and was screaming. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's really quite something. I am like he's he, he fills every person in the world with envy. Anyway, uh, I I'd never seen the show before. Mm. I didn't know the story, and I I kept it that way because um, I, I wanted to go in fresh. I wanted to go in cold. I didn't want to know what was going to happen, and to find out as I'm watching that the show is really about toxic male fragility more than anything else interesting and um you know the story of their relationship because like yeah she becomes a star throughout it and that's part of the story but it really you know she even says in the show like when's the hard part where's the obstacle she sort of like walked in was the star immediately and made all this money but it's about her relationship with her husband who's a bit of a sort of half con man half gambling addict whatever and the relationship that they have and how it's affected by the fact that she is the the breadwinner mm. and he's not and he can't handle the fact that she makes the money and he doesn't and that becomes the story of the show and the story of their marriage and so it's um it's really about his fragile ego that he can't handle his wife making more money than he does and uh it's it's weird to think about. Like, please make me a kept man. Come make more money than me. I would love that. Yeah. Um, but but for you know, but in this situation, like that's a that's a whole thing. And and I think um, Harvey Firestein did another pass at the book to try to update it a little bit. But I still at the end I wasn't quite sure what the show's trying to say because the in the final scene she's. She's like, you know, the, the, all these consequences have happened and they, they get back, you know, they're, they're together in the final scene. She's like, all right, I will give up my career to make you happy. I will, I will do anything to make you happy. And I'm like, is that really what, that does not leave that character in a great place of strength. And, and it's a, it was, I don't know, it, I, it, again, it's written 50 years ago, right? But it's a, uh, yeah, but you know, what's interesting, uh, maybe not the conversation we want to dive into it's as just an observation if you will is as as much as we i guess this goes for a lot of things as much as we progress past that and it feels so dated look at look at our culture still right like what is the most popular thing during the holidays it's hallmark christmas movies and what is the plot of every hallmark christmas movie I'm going to give up my career for a man. Yeah, and come back for a guy who sells Christmas trees because that's love it it doesn't yeah, make yeah. a lot of sense but you know it 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 doesn't shock me that it, that this story still strikes a chord, right? Because, like you said, that's what people. Yeah, and and it, I I think that I think the character um, that Ramin plays is is fascinating in its authenticity. Like this, he's his ego is so fragile that he can't accept. Blink, blink, Pygmalion. Blink, you know, My Fair Lady. The story. It's yeah. it's the same story we keep telling, and it's. You're right. Dudes can't handle it. <laughs> I can handle it. Here I am. Hey, are, do you make a crap ton of money? I'm ready. <laughs> like, I'll, you want to pay for my basement? You got it. I am on board. I'm going to pay for some action figures. I will happily make a quarter of what you make. <laughs> um, but uh, it is doing gangbusters at the box office. Yeah, how much longer is, is Leah Michelle in it? 
Uh, well, the show's closing in September. Oh, we did um, not know that. So, yeah, no, they they set a closing date, and um, although it's been doing great with Leia Michelle in it, um, you know, well, it and, had a previous closing date, and they kind of they changed that. Well, it, it wasn't doing well um, until she came in, and then it it's been it's been doing very well since she's been there. Um, I think they they do feel like there is a limit, you know, like a limit to that run, but they're going to tour it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't, I don't really know, but it was a, uh, you have to stick a big I, name I, in I, it again. The thing they proved is the show is as, as, is kind of before it's in a, it's inaugural run. Like it, it was, a, it's a star vehicle more than anything else. Yeah. And so if you don't, you know, not that Bernie's not incredible, but you need us, there's a certain, certain somebody and that's, that's well, it's and, and the, and the behind the scenes story of it all is such a big part of it. I mean, Leah Michelle's been been you know she's got baggage she well she's got baggage but but she's been advocating for this part in this role for 20 years 15 mm-hmm. years and um you know she she performed songs from it on glee she performed a song from it on the tonys a couple you know like 10 years ago and so um for her finally to get to do it and to be from all accounts transcendently good in the role um and so i i i don't know i don't know but uh Anyway, it was fun. It was a it was a nice night at the theater. Although, you want to see something funny? My uh, my, my playbill's all messed up. You see, it it got cut wrong. Oh, interesting. So not only is the top wrong, but I can't open the pages because they haven't been cut. Got so sticky pages, a, Keith. Sticky pages not, in your play. Mm. No, 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 no. They're they're. They were never cut oh. because it was misaligned. Well, times is hard. Times is hard. Like, you know, you pay all that money for your ticket. And like here against another one, you can see it's just been cut wrong. So whatever. Yeah. Well, these Keith, things happen. You know, in, in planning this episode today, I was wondering, well, when I put uh, Leigh Michelle's face on the slate for this episode, for the, the thumbnail, what would, mm-hmm. be the, what would be the best juxtaposition? To put next to it on on, mm. our, on our on our thumbnail and and what better who better than David Koresh Keith? <laughs> because that is going to be the picture and it's really something. I uh, if you recall, I railed last week against MH370, the Netflix, and then as mm-hmm. a, a as sort of a, a documentary, touch, yeah. yeah, as a touch point to just a lot of Netflix's documentaries lately have not been living up to some of their counterparts. See HBO Max. So they dropped a new docu-series this week. It is three episodes. They're each about an hour, so you're looking at three-hour commitment. It is called Waco, American Apocalypse, and it is chronicling the 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 holdout and the siege in 1993 of of the U.S. and Texas government FBI uh, the the AT, AT, ATF ATF yeah ATF yeah. Um, that lasted 51 days with David Koresh and his followers and ended in well began with the largest gunfight on American soil since the Civil War. Mm. And ended in a giant fire with, I believe, 81 people uh, and 20-some kids uh, burning to death. Yeah. God, I remember. Now, Keith, you and I had uh, dinner one night. We we were on tour and played Waco. And that was we in, did play Waco. That was in yeah. 2003-ish. 
So mm-hmm. at, 10 years after the fact, and the, yeah. it, the town and its economy and what really never kind of recovered or had never well, really it, been there. It's, it's kind it, of a small it became, little. It became famous mm-hmm. for this. Like, and, and I remember we were like, ooh, Waco. And and people, I mean, obviously the town, wonderful people was very pleasant. It's, as, that is not a, has nothing to do with it. I'm just saying it, the, the ghost of it was still there. It was in yeah, the air. Sure. I remember that. Now, I was only 13. L- let me let me break the suspense. This documentary is excellent. Uh, it is a huge sigh of relief to me that Netflix is still can still do it. Uh, it is – let me get the, the people right here. It is by uh, Loose World Productions, The Cut, and Tillerman Films. It is a Netflix-produced joint. And let me tell you – you know, we were 13 years old, 14 years old when this was all happening. And so yep. not only were we a little young to really kind of take in the gravity of the whole situation, but we only had access to network news reports, which right. were being fed via satellite via only a couple of – a handful of local reporters who were on the scene because this in the middle of a cow field in the middle of freaking nowhere – so it wasn't yeah. like we had satellite coverage. There was only a couple of helicopters in the air. And it was a huge standoff. Ostensibly, they were a religious sect, a cult. Uh, I'm going to go ahead as far as call them a cult because their leader, David Koresh, believed and all of his followers believed that he was Jesus. He was the second coming of Jesus. Uh, there are reports that he was uh, marrying 14, 12, 10-year-old girls, he made all of his followers give up their wives so he could and there's there are there are first-hand accounts of rape and you know him having sex with these doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's really bleak. Yeah. Really bleak. Uh none of that initially was the reason why this broke out. Um they were also hoarding military grade weapons and ammunition. Not just a few. Which now is like a pastime for pretty much everybody. Yes. But I mean, just for huge fun. amounts. 50 calibers. Armor piercing, things that could pierce tanks. Like, dist- huge amounts of things. Now, rather than arrest him, they decided to go in, like, kind of uh, Blitzkrieg style. The AT- ATF went in with a huge amount of guys, uh, served a search warrant. He asked them to leave. They said, we got a search warrant. And then... There are – this is one part that is a little muddy. There, there are reports of who started the firefight. But regardless, like a 45-minute firefight took off huge, the biggest since the Civil War, leaving four federal officers dead. At that point, the uh, the FBI comes in and it puts out their – basically their Green Berets. I forget what the, the FBI's sort of – the hostage – Rescue. There's a there's task force. Task force. Something. They were. They had their mission, which was get the guys who killed our agents. And then there was the the negotiators who were trying to negotiate a surrender and the release of women and children. Okay. Unfortunately, they were not working in tandem. They were working Mm. completely different objectives on completely different timelines with completely different uh, motivations and machinations. And so that's what this documentary is basically about. They chronicle the entire standoff, and what's awesome about it is they do very, very little narration. It is all told point of view from actual Branch Davidian survivors who were there Mm. on the inside, 
actual federal agents and actual hostage negotiators. So all three of the main players, all telling the narrative in real time, juxtaposed with one another. There is a very limited amount of editorial uh, planting your flag in any one of these stakes. They agree that mistakes were made. They don't call Koresh a good guy. They do show footage of videotapes he was releasing and audio conversations he was having with the hostage people of him relatively acting rationally, at least, within the confines of this very irrational situation. So he wasn't mm. just a complete psychopath lunatic who was just like, let's burn it all down. Now, as we all know, it all gets burned down. Spoiler alert. A lot of people die. And a lot of the things I find fascinating, I think all of the, the documentary, the, the, the first person footage, evidence-based stuff is just... Oh, juicy. I mean, it's it is the way to tell stories the best. It's all this context we didn't have. Kind of you just and the interviews with the Branch Davidians are the, the 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 cherry on top because some of them, many of them that they interview in this piece, are still tied to that belief mm. or, or in process of trying to let it go. And it is that so so the so the the scary still deprogramming yes, 30 years the, later. The, the yeah. scary sort of pull. You, if they're still 30 years later feeling this, it's completely obvious why they would let themselves and their children's burn to death. Um, yeah. You know, it. it is riveting. I thought I was going to just watch the first one, and next thing I knew it was 4.30 a.m., and I had watched the whole thing, and I couldn't stop. So Netflix knows how to do it. They still can do it. They just need to let go of some of the sensationalized ones and just focus on stories that I think need to be told and it is the 30th anniversary so it's uh you know it pays good respect to the federal agents who died and to the the victims of that who were branch divinians they weren't just like you can't just blanket paint. We, we talked about this last week obviously can't just blanket paint everybody as a crazy cultist and they deserve what they got it doesn't well, work it's not they're it victims doesn't work of cults yeah. i mean that i mean they're, they're victims of cults everyone which, in this situation very... made a ton of mistakes and that's why it all blew up yeah which is it, it's just interesting because you you talk about uh, you know our awareness of it back in '93 while it was happening, and that where our only source was the evening news. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm grateful to to my parents for is that we watched the CBS evening news every single night as a family, and so um, as a result, I remember I remember the standoff. I remember when it went when it went wrong and so this is something that i was tracking and processing as much as got onto the evening news you know every single night throughout that process when i was a kid and i think that that is something that has given me a great deal of context in history that i'm grateful for you know as a as as somebody who just was clocking all of that stuff even as a kid that helps Give me so I I certainly recommend you know find a a news source that you trust that's you know I I think PBS NewsHour is probably the best place to BBC go right is now. Pretty good. BBC's great. Um, you know, and if you if you've got kids and you're sitting there at dinner, like if you can talk them into keeping track of what's going on in the world and what's going on in the country, you have some points of reference for stuff like this. And so yeah, you will um, absolutely love this, Keith. You have to you have to watch. Yeah, I, I will. I, I think you've sold me. Um, well, you want to, do you have anything rad that happened this week or you're, or I, I got a quick story I'll tell, but, 
Oh, yeah, you you tell the story. I'll try to think of something. Okay, cool. So just real quick, I want to say that a week or two ago was the Academy Awards. Watch them. They were actually pretty good this year. I think they were able to, like, regain some semblance of non-insanity. Uh, and I was kind of happy that uh, the movie I had pitched so hard, I think on one of the inaugural episodes of this, if not on one of our podcasts, Everything Everywhere All at Once, what took on Best Picture and all these things. And uh, the also won Best Actor, and he hasn't really had a breakout role since Indiana Jones. And he gave this, you know, riveting speech that you hear often from actors about how, like, you know, don't give up on your dreams. And on another podcast I listened to, I heard a, a, a host I respect talk about how that's sort of difficult to swallow sometimes because some people, they didn't give up on their dreams. It just, their dream ran out of time and they had to do other things in life, right? There's there's yeah. a little bit of survivor bias in people who achieve. It's easy to say once you've achieved your dream, don't give yeah. up on your dreams. It doesn't mean you quit, right? That's uh, There's a huge goal yeah. from there. And that really resonated with me because or yeah, your dream you gets do. rephrased or you have to reprioritize and your dream, you know, there's a lot of stuff. So anyway, that said, uh, I think I mentioned last week I was I was just going through some stuff, you know. Not a lot has been popping off here as far as like performing and things. And it was like a springy day a couple days ago and I was on a jog and for no reason other than just like endorphins or physical, whatever, it popped in my head. Oh, oh I saw two people walking their dog and I was, me and Jen were going to meet for have dinner and we had, we had filmed a show or something. And I just remember, I thought to myself, you know what? This is enough. This is okay. If nothing were to change or move or anything mm -hmm. else, like this is all right. What I have, who I am, what's going on is enough. Anything else could be icing or that doesn't mean I don't have the door open for other adventures, but like uh, everybody, you're doing all right. You know what mm. I mean? Like you're giving it your go. It Things are what they are. I, I champion you in all of your pursuits, everybody, but just give yourself a little break, take a breath and realize, okay, things are okay. This is enough. I'm doing okay. I'm in a safe place, hopefully. Yeah, I, you know it's 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 funny. That's a that's a really good segue to, um, sort of. I, I think what made me <clears throat> is that really true? Okay, so we 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 talk about you know following our dreams and trying to you know get out there and and make whatever. And what is enough, right? <clears throat> so a couple couple of years ago, I put out a uh, I, I put out an album, mm -hmm. right, and. Nobody gave the tiniest crap. Oh, that's right? Good, yeah, makes sense. Nobody bought it. Nobody listens to it. I listened Whatever. to it. You, you no, you did. No, you you were one of the you were one of the few. I like who, it. I have it on my mix, and people and some of our listeners, I'm sure, we we pimp it on the show. That's not. I know that's not the point you're making. So I'll let you. Well, make but it. well, the the point the point I'm I'm making is that like, I I I see the data. I actually know how many people are are, whatever. And so, every week. I get a uh, <laughs> just peel behind the curtain, folks. Uh, I, I get a, a weekly recap from Apple Music of of what people I and mean, how many people are listening and how you know and what are they listening to on the album, right? And to be perfectly frank, most weeks nobody mm -hmm. nobody's listening to anything. However, there is one person. In uh, a city called Manama, who I believe is in Bahrain, right? And who listens to 
a song on the album called Till Then the Darkness, which is not designed to be like the big hit of the of the album. But be, because nobody watches, every time this person listens to that song, you get a ping. I freaking know about it. That's <laughs> pretty awesome. I get it in the email and this person has listened to this song like almost every week, almost every other week since I released the album. So to this one person on the other side of the world who I obviously don't know, this song means something, right? Or I, so, I don't know what it is. And so like I think about every time I say this, I think, who is this? Why do they listen to the song? What does it mean to them? And that's kind of cool. I, I'm so I'm let like, me let me tell you this real quick. By that. I there is a, I did a production of the last five years, and I remember thinking at the time. You know, the, one of the things I love about that score is the cello. The cello part in that score mm -hmm. is just amazing. And we had this amazing cello player, Caitlin, I believe her name was, who we, you know, we were like, we became buddies only because you like talked to the pit during tech or whatever, but that's about all right. I knew of her. And I just, I remember I loved her playing. And years later, I, realized, I found out she had a band called Oliver the Crow. It's her playing cello and her husband or fiance uh, who plays fiddle. And, they, and she sings mm. as well. And I just, you know, I downloaded their album. Same thing, self-released album. And there's one song on that album. It's all lovely, but there's one song on that album called Grace that I'll, you know, I'll put in the, we'll put in our show notes as well, along with Keith's album, which you can also find on his website. Our, all of our stuff is here. Uh, it's called Grace, and it's clearly about someone she lost called Grace and about how, you know, it's a downer of a tune, but it's if, if, if something bad, something so bad can happen to somebody so good, what chance the hell do any of us have? And it's, mm. you know, it's one of those songs and, and it, it, it strikes me to the very fiber of my core and it is on every mm. mix and I listen to it all the time. And I'm sure they look at their analytics and like, who is listening to this song constantly? Uh, and so Keith, I'll say whoever that person is, wherever they are, and good, you know, it's funny. I played that game because this game is sort of about that too. Is right if right. you if your art touches one person, isn't didn't you sort of do it? Well, and that is the dream, really. Manama, which is the city, the etymology of that word. It's the Arabic word meaning the place of dreams. Wow! There you go, folks. Wow. Well, folks, you probably hear it right now. You hear Keith's tune because it's what's playing underneath us instead of the K&M Geekly bumper because wow. uh, I'm going to make that happen. Mike did it in post. He's going uh, to remember. Now, if not, this really is just a sad, <laughs> empty portion of the show. <laughs> what a sad ending. <laughs> uh, but as Keith said, keep, you know, follow your dreams in whatever way you're able to with your other responsibilities and priorities in life. We support you 100%. And while you're doing so, don't let anyone tell you what you should do and don't let them yuck your young. Keep doing the things you find fun. And until next week, keep on geeking off.